Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, it town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank on Branham. It's Joe George, the assistant to the regional manager behind the glass, and it is a Monday edition of... Of the Killer Bees in our new permanent time slot. I told everybody, Blankers, at the end of our show Friday. I said, we'll talk to you, you Monday at 3. And everybody was like, well, what's coming up at 3? What's going on with your show? People hopping in my DMs today. What, where, where are you guys? Guys, I told everybody when we signed off the show last week, even people on the Twitch that heard me yep. were like in disbelief. I told you at the end of our show on Friday... We'll talk to you Monday at 3. What are we doing right now, Monday at 3? We're talking to you. We're talking to you. Just pay a little bit of attention. It, it was like this. It was so top secret and no one, everything that was going on that I was almost afraid to tweet out today. Hey, guys, catch us today, 3 to 6. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I, didn't, I was like, I don't know if Blinker's supposed yeah, to do was that. Was I supposed to do that or not? I mean, is that okay? Catch out of the bag. I'll find out about five minutes and my phone rings. And then I got the call clear. No one hit me up. I'm like, okay, we're yeah. good. So we're, we're going to be three to six. Uh, the noon to three show, what are we saying here, Joe? We'll figure it out later. Figure it out we'll later. Figure it out later. It's we'll TBD. Figure it out later. Noon to They'll we'll be on tomorrow. One show one. a week, guys. One show a week. Let's have realistic expectations and goals. Us this week. And then we'll figure out the other stuff. A little bit you later. You got the now, best first, and then we'll work out the rest of the lineup. Yeah. And just to throw another wrench into things, Paul will be on with me Thursday, Friday, 3 to 6, and then you're going to be doing Paul's show 10 to 12. Y'all yeah. made a little bit of a trade. No, I didn't have a choice. I, I was basically, <laughs> I was just basically told, hey, this is what you're doing Thursday, Friday. I was like, well, you know, we've done remotes when you do U of H games. We can do it. <laughs> I didn't have a and and I didn't Joe know is such a selfish like airtime whore what? that he was like, well, no, 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 no. For this one, I, I mean, it's better if we just do it this way. We got to kind of do it this way. I was like, okay, all right. So we're going to Vegas this week. Yeah. Then. So yeah. Joe, Joe, Paul, and and, uh, and I uh, will be going to Vegas. We'll be doing Thursday and Friday show. I think poolside with nice drinks in our hands. Sweet. I hope you enjoy your time here in a hundred oh, degree it, after, heat in a summer drought. I'll be I'll be letting you know that I'm golfing, hitting, hitting range balls. Enough. That's yeah, fair know. enough. Uh, any comments you want to make about uh, moving time slots? Get all the uh, the cheesy, corny stuff, heartfelt yeah. stuff out of the way? Yeah, what's really crazy, first and foremost, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it's almost like si- expecting like uh, a, a, a regular airline seat and getting like a love seat with pillows and a recliner because now that you finally get to sit in the big boy chairs that you were never supposed to experience and we were supposed to sit this one out, it's just nice to finally sit in a big chair and realize – we are like now finally in. Yeah. Um, I have a lot to say about this. Sure. This is uh I used to do this time slot at the other place and with the Baytown batting. Let's Weird. be honest. Too, at a different place. Joe Joe's like I've done this a time or two before with a with a, an, a letter in the alphabet that comes before you guys. But we I used to do it with the Baytown batty over at the other place, the highway to hell. We were number one in the in the city for, for while I was there. So I've been chomping at the bit to get this time slot and compete again. So I'm happy to be competing with you, Blankers. Uh, I know that you are a believer in leave the place you found it, a better place than it was before. I think we did, we did that, that noon to three. Yep. And now we'll look to do the same thing again from three to six. And also, look, there were there were Titans in the industry that worked in at this station in this time slot. Let, let's call it what it is. The the Blitz was oh, yeah. a was an iconic show. No and doubt. I take advice from Fred and AJ, Fred directly, AJ indirectly, every single day. My first stint at ESPN Radio, 
Fred, Fred told me point blank one time, you need to have strong stances. Ever since that day, I've had a strong stance. So I thank Fred for that. I think of that comment every single day, that, that piece of advice. In a roundabout way, I try to be, how do I say this? I try to show my personality each and every day, too, in the indirect advice I got from one A.J. Hoffman. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Oh, no, I am, too. And, and I also think that having talked to those guys and others, I thought this was the slot we always belonged in. And, and I thought that, you know, we were good soldiers and we went along with whatever was outlined for us by someone that was grossly out of town uh, that, you know, appreciated and tried to analyze our talents. But the one thing, too, is that I was always told within both radio and television is it's really tough to be the first act to follow a very successful show on radio or television. It's probably better for you, no matter how much it's painful at the beginning, to be the the next after. And, and being the next after in this case, it's like we kind of just, we, we were placed in our slot. We did our best in our slot. We put up good numbers, and now we get a chance to be in the slot that we wanted to be in. So it should be fun. All right, good deal. Happy to do it with you. Couldn't think Absolutely. of a better uh, trio to, or duo to do it with, me being part yeah. of that trio. But uh, we'll move on. We'll, all the cheesy stuff out of the way. Yep. The Astros had a weekend of disaster. If, you, if you've not heard the Killer Bees a whole lot, we are overly positive. We are, we are so positive people get sick of it all the time. If you're new to, to us because you only listen at three, whatever. We are extremely positive all the time. Each and every Monday, we do a good, bad, and ugly for the Astros series over the weekend because there's a lot to get to. You have to talk about three Astros games and a fun way to do it. So we do good, bad, ugly. We've always done it. We've always led with good because the killer bees are positive. If we're, if we're nothing, we're positive if we're nothing else. It feels like we can't do that today, though. We can't lead with the good after what was a very disastrous Astros series and embarrassing and disappointing. Use whatever word you want to use to describe it. Whatever happened at Minute Maid Park this weekend against the Seattle Mariners was a disappointment to all. No question about it. I was thinking about it yesterday, and because we're not going to do football for two and a half hours, we always start with the prevalent topic. And for us to start with the prevalent topic of the Astros, the good, bad, and the ugly to me is very simple. The good, the Mariners. The bad, the Astros. The ugly, the sweep. It's really that simple. The fact that as much as last year, and we've talked about it on multiple occasions, Mariners and their fans have made their World Series the, the two series against the Astros, once in the playoffs, once in a big time in the regular season. The fact is, this time around, they owned you. They own you this season. They are working you all season long. And it's frustrating, and it's tough to take because you're not in the position. You, I keep harping on that, but you're not in the position you've been in for six-plus years where normally you're just sitting atop, high atop the roost in the division just waiting for the minions to fall on the wayside as you continue to bigger and better things. This one was tough to take, and everybody, oh, it's J-Rod, it's J-Rod. No, it was across the board. It was extremely painful to watch the Astros lose all three of those ball games, and in the fashion that they did. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to get to. I mean, first is the the all-encompassing, that it was an embarrassing series. Uh, if you've let Seattle creep into, I mean, they're, they're within striking distance. They could jump you tonight, because now they're a half game back. Uh, from you, for your, the Astros are a half game away from being in third place in the American League West. The good news is, and we'll get to some of the good a little bit later, is that you're only two and a half back of the Rangers. Fortunately, the Rangers got swept, but you allowed the Mariners to be within striking distance of you. So it's very easy to say, yeah, the embarrassing series that was, you get swept, you get shut out on Friday, you get blown out Saturday, and the Astros had to fight back with everything that they had 
to make that a game yesterday. It was 6 nothing before you could blink. So other than the Astros' comeback yesterday, like it allowed them to have a little bit of a moral victory, the Astros got flat-out embarrassed by Seattle. Seattle came into town ready to play some high-stakes, playoff-like baseball. And the Astros thought it was going to be the same old, we're Houston, you're Seattle, we're going to beat you up. And the Astros got a reality check over the weekend. They had a reality check of a team that was hot. J-Rod's been scorching hot. And they came into your city, they came into your home, and they punched you right in the face. And quite frankly, you didn't have a counterpunch back. No, you didn't. And, 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 you know, I've heard a lot of people because, of course, we're constantly checking social media and, and you know, we're, we're getting people interacting with us, sending us messages and such. I don't care who led the charge for a players-only meeting. I'm only glad that it happened. I heard people going, well, that's great when the worst player on the team is the guy that's running the whole team. It doesn't matter. Jose Altuve is not the kind of guy that is always going to be the very outspoken vocal leader. But it needed to happen. If it was Maldi, okay. It could have been anybody else. I'd have been okay. The main thing is it happened because you don't have more than a half of the season to play because you're not in a position of strength because you're not winning the division. And now you literally, not only just we were worried about, hey, get one of the one-two seeds or get the wild card where you get the best matchups. Now you're talking about scenarios where if you don't play well, there's a chance you don't make the playoffs and you're just like the Yankees. And you don't want that. So I'm glad the meeting happened. And I'm glad that they're taking the approach of, hey, guys, we got no more time to coast. We have got to kind of nail it down and, and you know tighten up the screws. And let's get going and play some baseball. Because before you know it, if we don't, it's going to slip right through our fingers. And you don't want that. Right. This is you're you're in a you're in a spot right now when you look at the standings and it's like, okay, you can think worst case scenario and Astros are home in the playoffs. Like that is in play now. That is in play with this series that you had. Now, if you start to dissect some things in this three game series, how about the starting pitching that was atrocious? You can start with Hunter Brown yesterday, you can start with Fromber Valdez on Saturday. Either way you start, the answer is going to be bad, disappointing, and look. I think both of them were pretty embarrassing, to be honest with you. The way Fromber, I think he threw at the guy for Seattle, the Cavalero guy. And then Hunter Brown, I mean, you needed a stopper yesterday. And even if you don't get the victory, like, eat up some innings. Position yourselves to where you can start this Boston series in a good spot. And Hunter Brown doesn't make it out of the third inning. You never would have expected when you needed a stopper. Stop giving up two runs every inning for the first three innings, Hunter Brown. You just, that's not something that you thought was on the table. Or Fromber Valdez. What's the bigger concern? The fact that you're your big, exciting, rookie, young pitching stud that is supposed to be just continuing to get better and better continues to struggle, or your first-half Cy Young candidate, after a no-hitter to start to come back in the second half to look like he was riding the ship, has looked like he's completely gone amok, and you need him back so badly that you need both guys, but the importance level of both of them is just ratcheted up to where if you're, you know, you got Justin Verlander, that was supposed to compliment Fromber, and then you're just hoping that one of the two, if J.P. France continues to do what he does, Javier figures it out, or Hunter Brown, you've got options. Now you don't know what Fromber you're going to get, and now that's even more worrisome for starting pitchers. What did you think of the whole Fromber throwing at Cavalero? You know, when I looked at it, it wasn't a fastball. It looked like it just he kind of either palmed it or it looked like. But he's a guy that wants to do it and then doesn't want to do it. So... At least, at least he like. Remember when it happened with the Rangers? He Simeon, walked, he, yeah, he turned immediately to walk away. turned his back. At least this time, he kind of like, what did you say? Yeah, like, he walked I, down. 
I, I kind of appreciated at least that from Fromber. That whole like I, I don't like that Fromber's doing this, and I, I thought it was chicken bleep when he did it with Texas. If it was intentional, whatever, he was traveling in a game. Same thing here. Things aren't going right. Throws it a hitter potentially. Maybe we'll never know fully. Like the times that he does it, if he's actually doing, I, I don't appreciate. I'll be completely honest. Like if you're doing it when you're down and you're getting crushed and you're getting hit hard, I think it's chicken bleep. To be quite honest with you, and that whole scrum too. Like J Rod was getting praised for being the guy that calmed down. Fromber Valdez, I was yelling at the TV, get your hands off the Houston Astro. You should never have your hands on another team's player whenever there's a scrum. Like, get your own guys out of the pile. Couldn't agree more. I'm yelling, where is someone to push him away? Someone needs to not only just get in there and go, oh, you guys are cool. Okay, cool. No, 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 no. The way both benches are emptying, and anything can happen when people are running in and just you know trying to figure out where where's all the 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 uh, tension coming from, and you see your pitcher, and you see a guy with his arms wrapped around him, and you're just running in from the bullpen or off the bench. Someone's got to pry him loose and understand. There's a time and a place for you guys to kind of talk it out. Right there, right then. That wasn't it. Yeah, and uh, I didn't like that at all. I didn't either. Like, and, and J. Rob was getting praised for that. Go, go. Take care of your guys. Like, go get your guys out of the pile, out of the scrum. And you're right. Like, I, like Omar Lopez tried. And then Hector Neris tried. You don't try. You do it. You do it. You do it. I, I didn't really appreciate that either. 713-780-ESPN. L- lots of bad. Lots of ugly to get to. If you can find some good, there was one very obvious good that we'll get to. But you're good, you're bad, you're ugly from what was otherwise a terrible series for the Astros. 713-780-3776. 713-780-ESPN. The HRP listener line. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. If you're, new, if you're new to us, he's at Pac-Man Joel. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Lots to get to our mailbag Monday. We'll figure out what times we're doing this. We're, we're kind of new to this time slot. But you can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want. You can start to get those in the queue as well. 713-780-3776. The Texans played a football game. C.J. Stroud showed us some things you might like, you might not like. Uh, but more of the good, the bad, the ugly from the Astros series sweep at the hands of the Mariners. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN. 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. 3062. Yiner continues to show that he needs to be in the lineup daily. Despite having some trouble at first, people want to point to his defensive problems at first, but there's a reason David Ortiz got to play first in NL ballparks. I don't care what he calls me defensively at first as long as he's going to drive in runs. You know what they used to say about uh, David Ortiz's defensive prowess at first base? He was a really good hitter. Yeah. Well, how is he at first base? He's a really good hitter. You know, we talked about the Orioles situation with their broadcasters. That's how we were trained to talk about when the Rockets were getting torched by someone. Yeah, that was... Um, Yonder was not great at first. Yonder was not great at first. Now, he had trouble you- with the pickoffs... The first one looked like it was a really bad throw. Agreed. The second I think, one, I, I think, think he could have got it though, but not a good throw. I think the second one, if he if he just reacts and comes off the bag, I think he could have gotten a glove on it or kept it from going down yeah. the line. Yeah, maybe you dive out there and block yeah. and keep it in front, but that was definitely the pitcher's fault. I can't remember who was throwing that day. It might have been France. And then the second one was clearly his fault. The, the second one was bad, and he was also late to a cutoff of the plate. Well, yeah, um, Jake threw it. And no one was there. Yeah. He just never got over. He came there really, really late. So there was definitely some rough around the edge. Like I, I can understand after watching Yonder Diaz at first base on Friday and Saturday what, what Dusty Baker was talking about. And look, this series, a lot of people want to complain about the manager when your team's losing. Uh-uh. 
Nuh-uh. We're, we're very fair in our criticism for Dusty. We're not going to shy away from Dusty Baker criticism. I'd like to think we don't shy away from anything. But that was not on Dusty at all. The series was not on Dusty. The team got their butts kicked by a Seattle Mariners team that came in here playing with a lot at stake. The Mariners came in like it was playoff baseball, and the Astros treated it like it was spring training, and they were just going to roll Seattle, and they got embarrassed. And they had the players-only meeting with Martin Maldonado uh, talking about it after the game. And somebody, 8361, I'm not going to use the words that he used, but he said, how is that guy calling a team meeting? He's part of the problem. I understand that. But Martin Maldonado is one of the more respected players in that clubhouse. They listen to Martin Maldonado. So just because a player isn't a great performer doesn't mean that he can't be one of the leaders in the clubhouse. So I have no problem that Martin Maldonado is one of the leaders speaking up. You need veterans, or at least a veteran, regardless of what their skill set is. Like, you could see in his final years, and obviously this is going to get kiboshed right away, but just understand the bigger picture. That when Beltron was on the team his last go-round, Beltron was a voice in the locker room, whether he was playing every day or not, that if he called a meeting, everybody was going to be there. Whether it was to bury his glove and do a funeral, or if it was real serious business, that it was time to, you know, brass tacks, get down to, you know, nut-cutting time. We got to get going. And it doesn't matter if he's playing a lot or not. If you got a voice in the clubhouse and you're respected, someone's got to kind of lead the charge to get everybody together to go, fellas, we got to get our bleep together, and we got to do it now. Enough of this screwing around because they got worked. They just got used in every fashion by the Mariners. And that's not supposed to happen to a team that's been this good for this long and is still that talented on the roster this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is the case. Junior Broncos think we anointed Hunter Brown a little quick. Look, Hunter Brown had a disastrous performance yesterday. That was incredibly disappointing. I'm still bullish on the career of Hunter Brown. But you might have some serious questions on like, okay, you're 37. There's 37 games left to play. You trail the division by two and a half, and you lead the wild card by just a game now over Toronto. And Boston, who's coming to town, is only three and a half back. Yep. They sweep you, and all of a sudden, Boston's just a half game back as well. So it's tight. I mean, you, you're you in the playoffs by a single game, yeah, by you're the not, game you lead on Toronto. You're not catching a Red Sox team that's dobbers down that's basically just trying to play out the string at the end of the year. They just swept the Yankees. They yeah. just worked the Yankees. They're coming in with confidence going, we're not out of this thing yet if we work the Astros. They're coming in with the same mentality that Seattle No doubt. That's where with. I was The going. exact same mentality because they're playing some pretty good baseball, and they know that this is a high-stake regular season series that can get them back back in the race with a team that's currently in the postseason. But the point that I was getting to with Hunter Brown, and like you're not going to take Valdez out of the rotation. Like, 37 games to play. We know that the Astros are using like this hybrid five, six-man rotation. Keep Justin on as normal rest as you can. Same thing with Frommer because he's supposed to be one of your better guys. And then you're kind of saving the arm and saving the innings of Brown or Keedy, uh, Javier because he's fatigued. And now Hunter Brown. You might be in a spot here pretty soon with just 37 games left to play where you need to to designate your best five starters and you roll out with those five guys and whoever's the odd man out turns into your long guy out of the bullpen because look six man rotations five and a half man rotations these hybrid five six man rotations they're all in well when you're cruising to a division title like you were last year when you're two and a half back and you're only in the playoffs by a game you probably got to throw your best five out there as often as you can there's no more time for tinkering there is no more time for giving guys you know, a healthy pass or a not-so-healthy pass to just, you know, they're burnt out and they got to rest. You got to get your bleep together across every position group, offense, defense, pitching, relief pitching, every at coaching, every aspect of this. There is no more giving guys healthy days off over and over again or if they're red hot, sitting them down. 
I mean, the only thing that I can I will hear from Astros fans is it was a shame that Kyle Tucker wasn't available with as hot as he has mm-hmm. been. But other than that, I'm done making excuses. This team is too good to be making excuses this late in the season. And that shouldn't have happened on your field. It shouldn't have happened, period, in a series that important. And that's why I'm glad Maldi was the guy that at least was the ringleader to get it all together so that guys could, if there were grievances, air them out. If there were issues, talk about them. But from Dusty down the roster and everybody in between, it's time to get focused and and start really making a statement that you're ready for this because otherwise it may pass you by. I'm really curious and interested to see the response because, look, teams, not only the Astros, but teams get knocked in the face. Teams get knocked down. And those player-only meetings, can you can go in one or two ways. It can continue. The negative momentum can continue to snowball and get out of hand. If that's the case, the Astros will miss the playoffs. Or it turns into a pivotal moment that springboards the rest of your season. So, look, the Astros got swept. It's terrible. It's awful. Doesn't feel good. Two and a half games still back in the division, thanks to Milwaukee, who you're wearing on your head. But now you're only in the playoffs by a single game against the Toronto Blue Jays. So all of that, all the negativism, uh, negativity around the Astros right now, I am very, very curious and interested to see how the players respond from a players' only meeting. Like, yeah. if they respond really well, maybe this is the story we look back at to be, oh, wow, Martin Maldonado's leadership springboarded the Astros to back-to-back World Series titles, or it could be this was the pivotal point of the season that prevented the Astros from defending their title by missing the playoffs entirely. So, like, this is going to be a storyline in the season for better or for good. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that... It's going to be very interesting to see some of the younger guys who haven't been through this before, who need to really do a, a look-in-the-mirror gut check, and they need to realize, hey, this team's leaning on me. They, they, they are relying on me, and i got to step up. And for the veterans, whether you've been there with this team or not, in the case of you know guys that are playing and guys aren't, you know that if, you're, if your name's penciled into that lineup at any point going forward, you damn well better, better lay it all out on the line. And from a manager's perspective, you better put your best lineup out there. Death lineup is the one we've been talking about until we get to sprinkles and and icing to see if there's a possible sudden death lineup. But you better put your best offensive lineup out there every night. I've been harping on the fact that Yiner needs to be in that lineup every single day. Whatever he did at first base aside, the fact is he's a stick and he's been sticking for you. And you've got to stick up for him right now and put him in the lineup. Kyle Tucker, you hope he's healthy because you need him now. Everything is on a need basis now, not a you know, at a certain point in time, or we can do this as we move forward. That's all out the window. It's time to put the pedal full down and go for it and say, if we do go down, go down swinging and go down with your best effort offensively and defensively every night. Yeah, I hope that this is the turning point of the season where we start to see that, like the urgency, the sense of urgency with this club, whether it's, you know, what does the lineup look like every day? And the lineup's out today. Like, we, we can, I'm not used to seeing a lineup this early in our radio program because usually it comes out later in our radio program. But t- today's lineup's a good one. Like, today's lineup is the, what you want to see coming off a slump, trying to break a slump. And Maldonado's in the lineup, but so is Jainer Diaz. Like, if you don't have a good first baseman right now, and Singleton hasn't been very good. Like, Singleton has a live bat. He's going to hit an occasional home run. He's going to draw some walks because he has good eye. But he's not going to get many hits. He's not going to have a very high like batting average. So I'm fine with Martin Maldonado catching so long as Jainer Diaz is playing, even at first base where he hasn't been great defensively. But he needs some innings there. He needs some reps there, and I think he'll be fine. Like, today's lineup's fine. Altuve, Bregman, Tucker's back, Jordan, Chaz, Jainer, Pena, Myers, Maldonado, and Javier's pitching. Like, with what you got, no Jose Abreu. And I, I kind of want to see Jose Abreu back now because Singleton's I was been ask scuffling. You yeah, I'm ready to I see was Abreu say, back. You know what? And I don't think this was calculated by the Astros. 
But I think the fact that the Singleton experiment, albeit uh, aside from the two home run game, the single and, and barreling up baseballs just hit at people. I think that Singleton being in the lineup and not being able to produce consistently, even with all the things that we've given positives in his direction, has made people miss Abreu a little bit. And maybe this is good for both sides. And maybe if you can get him back, you know that for all the things that he wasn't doing, at least when he got hot, he was getting on base. He was able to get a couple knocks in a game. He was able to, you know, be a hitter, whether we got power or not, which we weren't expecting, to set the table for some other guys that were getting red hot with Altuve and Tucker. And Jordan's still not exactly where you want him to be. But you know that Yiner in with that mix, there's a lot of talented bats in that lineup that could do a lot of damage. And that's what you got to see going forward. You got to see intensity ratcheted up. And you've got to see results, especially offensively. We'll get to see some of your response on good, bad, ugly. Joe, Joe's not mentioned. A, he's not said a word either. He's a little worried. He's a little, he's a little scared. I thought I'd get under his him. skin just by wearing the hat. And the only reason I wore the hat is because they did you a solid, and, you're, just, not, and you're not a, a lot further back in the yeah, division. Blankers is wearing a Milwaukee Brewer hat Look, today. We tell, we tell the truth on this show. We do. Yeah. I was pretty intoxicated all weekend. Did I you go to a Cubs game? No. That's too bad. Did you, was, go to, did you go eat We pizza? talked about that. My cousin got married. It was just we partied all weekend. We had no kid. So like I watched most of these games, but the stupid Xfinity app, you have to be connected to your home Wi-Fi. I didn't know that. To watch a game? Did you, uh, what am I paying for? Did you go to Lincoln Park? No. Did you go to Pequod's? No, I went to better pizza places. You, you literally better pizza places, Joe. Jeremy. You know what? You know what's you know what's ironic about this? We talked about the best Chicago pizza about a month ago. You know what his answer was? His answer is Pequod's. I know. And then now today he says we went to better pizza places. I, went, I hung out with some friends from college, and they took me to a new place in new. the area they live in. Oh, okay. I love your like It was like wood fire That's pizza. That's because you're, you're, uh, you're a tourist. That's no, why. I'm not. Tourists are the ones that like Giordano's. That's Don't, true. There you That's go. True. From a, okay, from they can like it too, but I like Giordano's and I always have. But the whole weekend was bad. <laughs> you got tourist taste. And I could leave my house back home and drive down there and get some in 90 minutes or less, depending on how fast I was driving. Are you still talking about pizza? Yeah. Okay. The only good I oh, had we this could do that on was, Rush Street too. The only good I had this weekend was Rafael Montero. Montero's good. That's the only thing I got. He got he got a little hosed in that inning too. Yeah, he, he did. got like a little blooper, a little soft single, and then strikes out the side. Oh, and then that ball they got wedged in Yiner Diaz's neck. That was a catch. That's a catch. It's a catch. Yep. It's some. It's, I don't understand how it's not a catch, but they said it's catch. not. Like it's a catch. It's a catch. It didn't touch the ground. But Maldonado got. But Montero got out of it because he has been brilliant. Yeah, he He's really been brilliant he, for a while. I told you, and, and you know, Papa wants him back in his his big four in the back of the 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 bullpen. He's. He was going to give him every opportunity, and now he's capitalizing on those opportunities. So as long as he's getting the job done, that's great. The only good that I had all weekend besides the Mariners, because how good they were, was the Brewers. Because the Brewers did you a solid that I didn't see coming. And the fact that I kept, again, like I always do now, after the Astros game's over, I immediately flip over to see what the Rangers are doing. And the fact that I thought, well, if they could get two, that'd be fantastic. But just one would be a good start for how hot the Rangers have been playing. The fact that the Brewers worked them and took all three, thank God for that because I don't know, you know, if you thought about the, the, the flip side, if you didn't get any games or one game from Texas, if you're Milwaukee, think about where the Astros would be then. That would be devastating. That's what part of what the bad and the ugly is for this weekend is the fact that you had the opportunity to take the lead on the division this weekend. 
You squandered it. Yeah. I mean, I'm more worried about the playoffs now. No, for sure. 713-780-3776. We get to the listeners' reaction on this as well. Good, bad, ugly from the Astros weekend. That was a disaster. You're 0-3 against Seattle. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been telling you about the greatness that is pro-dunk for a while now, but now I can take it to the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, basketball season's right around the corner, by the way. College basketball season's going to be here before you know it. The Rockets preseason will be here before you know it. Your, your, your kids, whether they're in middle school, whether they're in high school, whether they're playing AAU, basketball season is right around the corner. And you need to get something in their lives that's going to make them better at basketball. Uh, you need a goal from Pro Dunk. I've been telling you this, too. Like, I go through some of these neighborhoods, some of these nicer neighborhoods, and I see rink-a-dink, big-box store basketball goals, and it makes no sense. You're bringing your property value down. If you're going to get a basketball goal, Get one from Pro Dunk because they have the highest quality goals that you'll find. Tempered glass backboard, stainless steel hardware, breakaway rim and height adjustable anywhere from 5 feet to 10 feet. Their accessories are on another level as well. LED light kits for night play. I don't know if you've noticed right now, but it's hot in Houston and it cools down a little bit a little bit at night. Get these LED light kits so you can play at night or if your school's back in session. Nighttime might be the only time you have to play. A backstop, not, uh, backstop nets as well so you don't have to chase the basketball all around and pole pad lettering. You can order everything, including professional installation online. The pros will professionally install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You're not great with a level. You're not great with a ladder. Well, the pros are pro dunk are, so let them do all of the work for you. Give them a call at 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. One five six seven. Uh, Seattle has a very easy stretch coming up. They're on a six-game win streak now. Wouldn't be surprised in a few weeks if they won 17 of 19 or something like that. Good news is the Mariners and Rangers play a lot down this stretch, so hopefully they can cannibalize each other and the Astros can play some winning baseball. But they're red hot. They're red hot and they're playing like every game's a playoff series. No, you're right. And... I believe out of the, the final 10, the Mariners have the Rangers for seven, the Astros for three. But right now, this is the key stretch for the rest of the season for Seattle's hopes of anything. Because if they capitalize on the next three series, which are just basically, I think it's the White Sox, Joe's favorite team, and then it's the A's, and then it's someone else that's a, that's a cakewalk where you go, where are they going to be after these next nine, 10 games? If they capitalize and you're still wallowing around, you might get lapped by both teams, and that could be scary no matter how much the schedule presents itself where you can handle your business down the stretch. Yeah, it's big. Uh, Jason and Champions, worst regular season series for the Astros in six-plus years, question mark. That's kind of testing the memory a bit. Uh, last year, last year I remember the Astros getting swept at Oakland, but it came off the heels of winning the doubleheader against the Yankees right off the All-Star break, and then going the to Mets. Seattle and taking a four. No, the Mets was before. Remember they played oh, that but it doubleheader? Was just the whole, what we called it, the Gotham Well, the Gotham Gauntlet was pre-All-Star break last year, but they played the doubleheader against That's the right. Yankees post-All-Star break. They swept the doubleheader, flew to Seattle when they were trying to have a reputation dog, and the Astros swept them in a four-game series. And then the Astros went to Oakland and got swept in a three-game series. So that's one that sticks to mind. Like, I, I don't remember 
any huge regular season disappointment series. Because, I mean, look, the Astros have been a fixture in the postseason. Usually that kind of clouds the mind more than regular season series. But I think that's a fair point, Jason and Champions. I, I would have to kind of go back and, and do a little bit digging. But that's one that jumps to mind as being the most important. Maybe we're getting some recency bias there. But nothing, nothing else really jumps to mind. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. H-Town Dude on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. The Singleton Experiment should be done. I don't know if you can go that far yet because you don't have enough able bodies. Hey, you, don't have, like, you don't have the right insurance policy. If Brant, with, when and if Brantley comes back, maybe that's the time where you send down John Singleton or you re, you'd have to release him because he's out of options. But I'm not even sure that Singleton would be the first guy down. Would it be Corey Jolks? I think so, too. I think absolutely, because I was surprised when they brought him up. But again, it, it, it's all across the diamond right now where they are trying to figure out, you know, they need just your bodies and all hands on deck. And they're just trying to get able bodies like my boy Hunter Machinsky, which I didn't want to see before. I didn't want to see after, what was it, Saturday. And then I certainly don't want to see ever again, even though I said I didn't want to see him ever again last week. But that dude needs to be on a slow boat somewhere out of town and, and never come back. Man, and a, you're not even trying to demote him. You're trying go to, on, get out of here. Go trying on, to deport him. Next, next, next experiment. He's gone. He mean, Seth Martinez is getting uh, he's getting optioned up, and then Parker Mashinsky's being optioned down. So you're getting your wish. Yeah, good. They needed and a fresh arm, though. They, well, they needed more than that. They needed a fresh chance to actually get some outs when they came into a ball game. But I, I just when I look at it, Corey Jolks to me is the guy that was a really nice, good story early in the season, and he was playing well and. Now, again, we're in go-time mode, so short-term, if you got to have him because Tucker, was, his health was you know, basically up in the air and you had to add him for a, a, a couple games, fine. But it's time we look at Sprinkles and Icing as the only possible guy that could be fortifying this lineup to be brought up, and everybody needs to get out there and play baseball and play tough as nails going down the stretch because screwing around time's over. Yeah, you don't really have any other options. Like It, it seems like Dusty's given up on the idea of Singleton as somebody who's going to play every single day. Like He gave him his chance. He had the moment, which is a great moment. Great moment to see Singleton have the double-dong game. He's gone in the tank since then, and it looks like Dusty's is committed to playing Yiner Diaz at first base for the permanent time being. Is it different when Abreu comes back? Maybe, probably. But it seems like Yiner right now, with Abreu on the injured list, is your first baseman at the top of the depth chart. He's in the lineup again today at first base. Uh, Dusty mentioned Friday that he was going to play Singleton at first and D.H. Yiner, and then he got to the ballpark the next day and changed his mind. So it seems like Dusty's kind of given up on the Singleton experiment. I don't see Singleton being waived until, at minimum, uh, Brantley comes back, though. No, and you're right, and I think, again, this is just another one of those deals where you gave any able body a shot that was different than the guys that you had run out there too much, like Kessinger and Bly Madris, and we can go on and on. But the fact is, is right about now, whether Dusty got the memo and decided to sit on it or Dusty was going to Dusty, Dusty also, I think, is starting to get into reality mode that there is no time like the present because there's no other option. They got to go full force. Dre mentions the Tigers sweeping the Astros in 21 here. I'll take his word on it. I, I don't remember. They did, but I think it was earlier in the season. I think it was more towards the midway point. I don't think it was late. Okay. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't remember that, if I'm being completely well, honest. I know that they, it was the A's and the Tigers and the Orioles before the Orioles got good that were three of the worst teams in baseball that ended up working the Astros in a, in a, in a season or two. One more bad that really doesn't matter a whole lot. I, that Peacock broadcast that they had the other day was 
So bad. Like Poor he had Blummer. the Seattle Mariner broadcast team. Blummer was sticked in was was you know put in there as a neutral party or an Astros side of it. The dude, I, I thought he was from from Britain at first, but apparently he's from Australia. That sounded so weird to me. You have America's pastime, and this maybe this gets me canceled. It was great to be on the drive time for one day <laughs> for on ESPN ninety seven. Go, Joe. Wasn't it so weird hearing minutes. an Aussie call America's pastime? Wasn't that bizarre? That that just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, uh, here's another hot take. I don't like soccer being called from Americans, and I called soccer as an American. I feel like that's something where you have like a British voice. Baseball deserves an English voice. Cancel me. My my big thing was just the, the two against one. The two against one annoyed the hell out of me. It was a Mariner like, broadcast. Yeah, that and especially in your own park. And we know that Major League Baseball, with all the issues they've been having with their regional sports networks and everything that they're going through, the easiest way to do the Peacock broadcast and save money is you get the home broadcasters involved. And and, and, and I know that some most teams still are traveling their broadcasters. But the bottom line is you always cater to the home team at with their broadcasters when you're in their park. And the fact that you were basically forced to listen to while your team was at home Two Mariners announcers annoyed me to no end. I don't care how good their play-by-play yeah. guy is. I don't want to hear it because I don't want to hear Mariners talk. I want to hear Astros talk when I'm watching an Astros game. It was, it, and that's like a national game. Like I can, okay, fine. You're gonna have a national game, an Apple TV game, a Fox, whatever. You have neutral broadcasters, but you had to watch that game from a national broadcast perspective with Mariner honks in the booth. Like they were calling the dudes their first name. Yeah. Oh, Julio's got the ball in right field, and then whatever, like they would strike out an Astro, like the over-the-top excitement, which is like fine if your demographic is Seattle. And I don't even blame Dame Sims because he's put in a tough spot. Like he, he calls Seattle every. Every single game. If you're gonna, if Peacock's gonna be involved in the baseball business and do a national game in the leadoff Sunday, hire a third party broadcast team, please. You have to because this is the same way that I've been adamant about this. And again, because it, you know it's a hat I used to wear when it really, really used to chap my rear end that that they did this. If you want NBA TV or any other you know pseudo broadcaster to be considered a national game, because it always used to bother me. Oh. We got a national game. We're on NBA TV. That's not a national game, right? So when yeah. you're doing baseball and you're doing, you get an Apple TV Plus game or a Peacock game. Well, then I damn well better get the the equivalent of the Thursday night football broadcast, where it's st- I still get Carissa Thompson and I still get ex NFL players that can be open to, to talking about both teams because I don't want homers. If you're calling it a national game, if you're calling it a national game, that's the same reason why I get kind of irritated when you get Herb Street doing Ohio State games or ex-USC guys doing a national game uh, uh, and it's a USC game. I want basically people that can just openly talk rationally about the two teams on the same level instead of the favoritism that I was subjected to have to listen to yesterday. It was annoying. Yeah, Bear Brother even talks about how Apple TV has the option that you can choose the home radio team, which is cool. Like, if Peacock should do that, okay, if you're going to have this weird Seattle right. Mariner with, like, an Astro broadcaster hanging out, you know, give everybody the option of tuning in to, to something else. Uh, 3780 on the text line, 713780 ESPN. Well, well played, sir. He says, is Branham also anti-Latin American announcer? I see what you're doing there, 3780, because I am a Latin American, and I do dabble in play-by-play. So, well played, well played. But 
was just weird having an Aussie call baseball. Just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was in a bad mood. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. The Texans and Dolphins played a preseason game. What stood out in that preseason game to you? 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. Takeaways from Texans Dolphins. Toro was great. Toro was fantastic. Ocho says that preseason game humbled me. I'm not as enthused about the defense. They still can't stop the run. Uh, Willie on Twitch says NFL preseason is almost as bad as... WNBA and something else I'm not going right. to I was read. Ask you how you felt about female play-by-play football announcers? Um, I don't mind them. There's because it used to be. Who was that? Um, who did that? ESPN's who, who done it for a long to? time. I like Beth Mullen. Beth yeah, Mullen's Beth Mullen. But Beth Beth Mullen started it, and now I believe there's two. I believe there's two female football announcers. Play-by-play. I, for, I think they do the for early preseason or no, no, no. Oh, for, for college football, that, and they and then they do that that one telecast or the the alternate with Hannah Storm. Yeah, no one watches that though. No, but but Beth Mullins has been a long time uh, college. She does she does she gets a game every week. Oh yeah, Beth Mo- Beth Mullins has done a bunch of U of H games. Okay. I've, I've talked to Beth routinely. Now NFL, I don't. Is there any NFL women's broadcaster like play by play? Did they oh, add only, one? Only oh, no, only I think they that, might have added one this year. Maybe this year, but only alternate. When it was Hannah Storm and it wasn't Linda Cohn, but it was there were ESPN was doing an alternate if you wanted to get the all female uh, telecast. Yeah, but uh, basketball's done it a lot. Oh, for sure. The NBA, Milwaukee, NBA and Milwaukee started it. But who's Milwaukee's in like Byington or at least like something? I can't remember her name. It's, it's, she did. Some, I think she might be a CBS broadcaster. She is in the for NFL, college basketball, but I think she might be in the NFL oh, okay. this year. I Lisa think they Byington. Might have added her. Lisa Byington. I think they might have added her. Don't take my word on that. But, but then, I think maybe. She missed a couple games for the Bucks on TV, and their sideline reporter filled in, and then she got a gig where she left the Bucks, and she's working for a network now, too. And I don't know if she's doing play-by-play or not. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think Doris Burke's fantastic. I know she's oh, not play-by-play, yeah, but she's, is great. she's un- incredible. Um, Junior Broncos says, Stroud looks like a guy who can't read, not defense's words. Come on, Junior Broncos. We're not going to read that stuff on our new airtime, our new slot. Come on. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Takeaways from Texans Dolphins. Let's save the Stroud conversation okay. for when we have a little bit more time. We'll talk about that at the top of the hour because there's a lot to get to with uh, how CJ Stroud looked. You know the deep dive, all that stuff. But what were some of the takeaways that you had? Texans Dolphins preseason game number two. Well, as much as we sang the praises and were extremely excited about the defense, the defense took a one eighty turn for the worst. And no matter how you want to try and spin it and slice it and drink the drink the blue Kool Aid. I mean, they couldn't stop the run. They they couldn't do anything right defensively other than the first series and a half or whenever it and was. Really, that wasn't even the defense. That was Tua making an awful throw. Well, not only Tua's awful throw that led to the interception, but then the fact that Will Anderson just absolutely blew up a, an undersized running back, which you're supposed to do, and then ran right into the quarterback. But if not for those two plays specifically, the defense should have been embarrassed about the performance all night long. They just could not do wrong right. And they got, again, when we look at positives we want to talk about, whether you talk about the Texans or the Astros, 
the results are the same, and the, the feeling is the same. It was not a good night to be a Houston Texans fan, and that was tough to watch. I thought Lovey Smith was coaching the game, the way that the uh, the defense defended the run. Uh, Miami, look, Miami's got some good running backs. Mostert, A-Chain. A-Chain's their most talented running back. He There was one he play hurt. that he had in the second half. They said it was going to be week to week, though, so it's good news. I think they Shoulder? dodged a bullet there. Yeah, yeah like an AC joint, something yep. like that. He, 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 I can't remember the play. I can't remember. I think it was third quarter. I think it was early third quarter, maybe second quarter. There was a play where there was a gap in the middle of the defense, and it looked like he was shot out of a cannon. I'm really impressed by H. I think he's got a chance to, to do a lot of good but things for Miami. I think you and I both thought, felt that way when before the draft. For like, sure. Whoever gets him is going to get a guy that from day one can come in and help. Him. I wanted the Texans to get him if he fell to the, fell, fell to them in the third because I don't love spending first, second rounders on running backs. But he was, an, he was a guy that I loved a lot coming out of college. I love Tajay Spears coming out of college, too, and he looks really good uh, in Tennessee. But from a Houston Texans perspective, holding the conversation on cj stroud for for seven minutes i'm gonna wet blanket the will anderson a little bit and i okay. hate to do this i hate to do this but will anderson look i understand pro football focus graded him as the highest graded rookie in week two of the preseason blah 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 blah. he had two tackles in that game he had a sack he had a, t- a tackle for a loss look i think will anderson's gonna be a fabulous football player i think we're overrating the two plays that will anderson had on saturday the first one was the tackle for loss where Tua literally no one no one on the Miami Dolphins offense had any idea the play was starting except for the center. Literally the center was the only player that started the play. The other 10 were looking at him like what's going on? I thought there was a procedure penalty that was going to stop the play. So Tua like bobbles it, touches it and then just basically falls into a tackle from an untouched Will Anderson who had a free rush on Tua uh, to to get that sack that he had or that tackle for loss. I think he might have handed it off actually. So Will Anderson cool. I'm I'm glad you did that, but no one was moving on the Miami Dolphins offensive line. You were gifted a tackle for loss. And then you even alluded to it on that sack play. No, He didn't get touched by a single offensive lineman. A, a dude that's the number one defensive player taken in a draft should not be blocked by a running back. And he abused that poor running back. I don't know if it was A-Chain or Ahmed who was trying to block him. I can't remember. But when you're Will Anderson, you shouldn't be stopped by a running back. He did what he was supposed to do. Now, him getting his hand on the ball and knocking it free, I know Thompson recovered it. That was pretty cool to see. But I don't think that was a like a special play or like this welcome to the NFL or like this epiphany moment for Will Anderson. I think Will Anderson's going to be good. But let's be very realistic with what happened on those two plays for Will Anderson. Well, I think more so than anything else that we're, we're really talking about those plays because there wasn't anything else to talk about, really, from the standpoint of the defense. Yeah. The fact that you really were... You know, in the preseason, you're most of the times, even when things go south, there's a few standouts, there's a few plays and players that you go, that was really impressive. They played really well. Their coverage, their pass rush, whatever it is. There really wasn't much to, that you could hang your hat on. So the fact that at least Will Anderson made a couple plays and, you know, you, you made tra- a trade at, on draft day to get him and he's been celebrated the whole time. This was a chance for him to get flowers because really there was nothing else to talk about. And And especially when we're not talking about a Peacock or Apple TV broadcast. We're talking about ND and, and Kugler and, and the fact that they're trying to be pro-Texan. You got to promote what you can, and you had to promote Will Anderson. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Will Anderson's going to be good. I think Will Anderson's going to be fine. I, I heard some people having these, like, this is what we've been waiting for for Will Anderson. Dude, he had a free rush. An offensive lineman didn't touch him, and he ran through a running back and had the quarterback right behind him. That's a routine play for an NFL defender. His first tackle for loss. Ten Miami Dolphins didn't realize that the ball had been snapped. No one touched him whenever he got to the running back. 
Like, let's not overblow what Will Anderson did on Saturday. I think Will Anderson's going to be good. I think Will Anderson's going to be a really good football player. But what he did Saturday wasn't like, oh, this is Will Anderson showing that he's a special football player. No, he did what a defensive like a defensive end should do. Yeah, this was because there wasn't much to talk about because of the fact that everybody was riding so high with anticipation for this defense. No matter how much we set the table and said, look, the defense is going to be leaps and bounds ahead of the offense early on because you got a defensive-minded head coach and you spent some money, but you also really spent a lot of time kind of shoring up your defense. But that's why coming off the first preseason game to look as bad as they did was such a huge letdown and a disappointment and something that D'Amico should own and be very concerned about. But it's something that they really got to shore up quickly going forward because as much as you're going to take your lumps offensively with a rookie quarterback and getting everything and a first-time coordinator, your defense is what you're going to have to try and lean on with this team and as much with the weapons you've added and all the young talent you've put out there and what the expectation so high with an Anderson and a Stingley and a second year of Petrie and, and, and all the other guys that we've been talking about, that can't happen again. And that can't happen. It's got to get better against the Saints, but against Baltimore, who you know you're going to see everything from, but especially a lot of run, they have got to be able to stop the run. Here's the, the other thing, too. Um, it was interesting Matt Burke called plays again. Uh, not D'Amico Ryan's, which I don't know how to feel about that. Another observation that I wanted to throw by you guys, and I'm not, this isn't a take yet. I wonder if we're overrating Jimmy Ward a bit. I wonder if we're overrating Jimmy Ward and expecting, you know, late 20s San Francisco 49er Jimmy Ward. Because let's remember Jimmy Ward got benched last year. Jimmy Ward not only got like benched, but he got moved from corner to safety. Didn't start at the beginning of the year. He's 32 years old. He got Could- beat. He got beat over the top on a, on a long pass play by Miami. It wasn't completed, but he got beat. I'm wondering if we're overrating how good Jimmy Ward is at the age of 32. Well, what I was going to ask you is, uh, maybe on a different pay scale, but is Jimmy Ward signed by the Texans the equivalent of Jose Abreu being signed by the Astros? Uh... Because of the fact that it, you know there's a guy that's had success in the league. There's a guy that wanted to play with D'Amico, just the same way Abreu saw them, the Astros in the World Series and wanted to play with the Astros. And you look at it and say, hey, look, at peak Jose Abreu or at peak Jimmy Ward, that's a great ad. But not, at this point yeah. in their careers, are they at a point where with the rest of your defense being very young and active and is he unless he's a mentor for Petrie, I don't know what we're to expect from him. I'm not gonna go that far yet. Okay. But it is something that I'm watching closely. Like I don't think this is Ed Reed joining the Texans, but I'm wondering if Jimmy Ward's washed. Look, it's the NFL. Thirty two year olds have a tough time playing in the NFL. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Let's get to the C.J. Stroud start. Uh, what did we see from C.J. Stroud? What did you think of the rookie's performance in his second preseason game? 713-780-ESPN. It's the HRP listener line. It's Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.